0: It's cold in Joburg on this Monday morning, but welcome back to another edition of Pop Podcasts of the People. I've got Joshy Boy here with me and a very courageous lady by the name of Merlene Williams, who's going to be chatting to us around addiction, Uh, something that perhaps we don't pay enough attention to in our lives and hope and um, her story on getting through it all. I think maybe just to get things um get things going, um Merlene, can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get stuck into the conversation? Who you are, where you're from, um, a little bit about your personality and um yeah, maybe some hobbies and, and, and what you're interested in.
1: Yeah,
2: so spiritually I don't know who I am. I'm still learning where who I am spiritually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like who am I?
2: Yes, so so but um I'm from I'm 42 years old. I'm the youngest looking 42 year old. Uh, I'm from a small town called Otsuaran. So what I do for hobbies is I train a lot like weights uh, and I do a lot of hiking. As you guys know, I've climbed, I've summited Kilimanjaro. And then right now I'm very into the spiritual, like doing a lot of spiritual training, you know, a lot of meditation, daily meditation. So I'm very, um, up on my spiritual life at the moment, but um, for now quarantine. And then when we start socializing, I'll be on the outdoors. Awesome. So that's me.
3: Sure. Well, yeah, Maybe maybe I just I'm hijacking the conversation here, but but something that's piqued my interest already is you mentioned the spiritual world and how you've been using meditation of late. Um, have you found meditations helped you with dealing with lockdown and everything that we are currently experiencing in this ever-changing dynamic interesting challenging world that we live in
2: so meditation is the gold i think meditation is the big secret to everything that you want to achieve in life the stillness and then all the successes just come with the stillness and even if it's not a success you totally understand the lesson so for me oh meditation was the goal what happened for me is first day of lockdown, um, they came out with, cause I always wanted to do the Deepak Chopra meditation. So first day of lockdown, somebody was like, listen, I've got the plug to the abundance meditation. It's going to be 21 days. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm on top of it. I'm climbing on top of it. You know, I did the 21 day abundance meditation. I'm telling you, when I finished my first day of abundance meditation, immediately a, a financial deposit was made into my account. Whether it is coincidence or not, that Jeez. is my story, and I'm going to stick to it <laughs> after That's the amazing. Yeah, Where do after we start up? You better sign up it's just it's online. you can find it everywhere <laughs> so I finished twenty one days of abundance so Um, It was just so beautiful and so fitting for, it really aided me into the lockdown. After abundance, I did 21 days of health. How amazing was that? It was exactly what I needed. So it assisted me a lot. It assisted me into, you know, when you just have to stay still and you have to accept things the way they are. It gave me perspective on my own life. It gave me perspective on the world. It made me feel like this is only a small time of our lives. You know, this is, it's not going to be forever. And then I had peace, you know, acceptance. And then I could still dream. So meditation gave me like all those tools to just be still and calm in the lockdown. And also then, to have perspective on my future, and then to accept things the way they are, you know, and to not be fearful. So it was my gem. Absolutely. It's
1: incredible, it's
0: incredible. I mean, I think that kind of uh, that leads us on quite nicely into in today's discussion and conversation. Um, I know it's a it's a very intense and uh, and deep conversation for a Monday, but it, but it is centered around addiction. <laughs> Um, you know, it's yeah. something that perhaps we don't pay enough attention to in our lives. So, uh, Merlene, thank you so much for agreeing to share your story with us. Um, and I think maybe to get things um, going, how how old were you when you first started um, with your addiction being drugs? How old were you when you started?
2: So, I just want to make a disclaimer before I started drugs. I've never, I've tasted alcohol maybe once. So at 23 years old, I started my first taste of intoxication, drug addiction. That was just um, using drugs, partying with drugs and then eventually became becoming a full blown addict. So it happened for me at 23 years old.
0: 23. And I mean, you know, they obviously say kind of one thing leads to the next with these sorts of, uh, you know, alcohol and partying and trying one thing leading on to the next thing. Um, was that was that it for you? Did it start with alcohol um, first or was it more just kind of your peer pressure, the, the circle of group, uh, you know, the, the groups that you were um, involved in, your social circles? How did it all come about? I mean, when was that first moment that you can remember going, okay, well, this is, now, you know, I'm here now, and this is where, where, where I'm going in a kind of, you know, so,
2: so what happened for me is I was in a deep state of unconsciousness. I had a broken heart. So, a totally deep state of unconsciousness. At the time, I had just met these, I had a broken heart. So, at the time, I had just met these people, wonderful, exciting, beautiful, good looking people who were into drugs. and. So because I had a heartache and because I hadn't been in an altered state of mind often, when I started experimenting with the drugs, it was exciting for me because I was like, wow, no more heartache when I'm using. And it was so exciting for me to just be in another state of mind, you know?
0: And it numbed you, eh? numbed what you were feeling and
2: none to what I was feeling and now I had a coping mechanism plus it was fun so in the beginning you never ever think that it's going to be dangerous you know because you just never think something like that can happen to you and I started and then it slowly escalated for me.
3: So what 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 did it what did it feel like if you can maybe put words to that transition that's pushing you into a different world um, because I think sometimes people don't fully understand and can't, uh, can't put words to or can't imagine what taking a drug does to you and how that changes your world and changes the realities that you, that you are presented with in your immediate surrounds.
2: So the first thing is that it's obviously numbing your pain. I was experimenting with two drugs. I was experimenting with ecstasy. Ecstasy is an upper. So once you pop that pill, 45 minutes later, oh, you all oh, your fingers are tingling, your toes are tingling, you just have euphoria. It's, the, it's like you are in an overexcited state. You know, everything... If you are happy, it makes you happier. But if you're sad, it also makes you more sad. So you are in a state of euphoria and it's exaggerating every feeling that you have. It's exaggerating the way things look, the way they taste, the way they um, smell, the way they feel. So that was an upper ecstasy. And then I was also on heroin, which was my drug of choice eventually that I became addicted to. Now heroin is a downer. You basically fall into a completely deep sleep. You feel, I always used to explain the feeling as an in the womb feeling because you're nice, you're warm, you're fuzzy, you know? So what happens for you? Heroin is so, it's so sleek. It's, it, it, it steals your life because what happens is when you start using it, you go into a deep sleep, right? You go into a total deep sleep. But what happens to you? Everything, all your senses slow down. So you can physically stand up and not in, sl- in a state of um, you sleeping while you're standing. So that's what heroin does to you. You also don't feel anything. You are numb. But what happens to you is maybe after a week of using, if you do not take heroin, you start getting the most... Awful withdrawal symptoms.
1: Yeah.
2: And that is why heroin is a type of drug that is so difficult to come off. Because not only are you dealing with your brain chemicals that have changed, you also have a physical addiction. If you don't get the drug, you start throwing up, you hot, you cold, you totally like you in a fever, your stomach starts aching, every single bone in your body starts paining your muscles are paining, you throwing up foam. After that, if you take that first hit, all of those symptoms are gone. So what happens to you is inside the active addiction you are, and the physical addiction, you just want those symptoms to stop.
1: Mm.
2: So, and I mean, what it does to your mind when you are in withdrawal is almost inexplicable because It's just like a pressured state of, I mean, you, at that moment in time, you are so desperate. Your body is desperate. Your mind is desperate. That is the reason why addicts can do anything for money. And yeah, that's why it's so,
1: so tough.
0: There's obviously that withdrawal feeling that you need another hit in order to feel better. Was there no point where you kind of went, This was created because of the drug. Like, stay away. I don't want to ever feel this again. So So
2: what what happens to you is that, that moment, that stay away, stay away means that you need to be in the state of withdrawal for much longer. So withdrawal doesn't leave you in a day. You know, you can, if you start physical withdrawing, when I went to rehab, if you start physical withdrawing without many without any medication it takes you about two weeks in that state you know so it's not something that just leaves you overnight you don't just sleep off heroin heroin needs time to get out of your body so, so how
0: long were you i mean how how often were you taking how, how often were you getting a hit then
2: heroin for me every single four hours of every single night today. I mean that withdrawal knocks on your head. You can be in a deep sleep. The withdrawal will knock on your head. You will wake up
0: Jeez. every hour
2: of every single night and day. For how long? So I was in my I was in my addiction for five years. So for the total five years, like, so what happens for me? What, how I realized that I was an addict? One day I went to work. So, I had used maybe, I started on the weekends, right? And mm. then it escalated to now using it during the week. So, it, it, it catches onto you nicely because first, what you're chasing is that euphoric feeling, the feeling of numbness. You first chase that. About a week okay. to 10 days into consecutive using, you start getting hot you start getting cold, you get mild um, withdrawal symptoms. But let me tell you something. I had never seen somebody that was on heroin in a state of withdrawal. So for me, what my thinking was of an addict was somebody who just doesn't want to stop using. I didn't understand that your brain chemicals change. So your thoughts, your thinking is changing. And I didn't understand that you have physical withdrawal. I knew nothing of that before I started using heroin. And even though I grew up in a community that was drug infested, Mm -hmm. I had no idea of how it works. So you first chase the euphoric feeling. Seven to 10 days of consecutive use, your body will show you small signs of withdrawal. You get hot and you get cold. I never ever knew that that's how it works. One day I went to work without using heroin. I got to work, I was like, why am I feeling like I've got flu? It was in the middle of summer. I was hot, I was cold, I started throwing up foam. So the evening when I went home, I was like, let me call the dealer. It was, so I didn't smoke that morning, right? Let me call the dealer. When I took my first deed, oh my gosh, all of the symptoms were gone. I was like, I remember what I said to myself. I'm like, am I a junkie? Then the next day I went to an holistic doctor because I was like, no, I need to get to the doctor. Holistic doctor, she was giving me some medication. She was like, put this on top of your tongue in the morning. Put that under your tongue in the morning. I was like, hell no, none of this is working. So in between I started smoking.
0: Did then you know I- that you were on drugs when you went to her? My yes,
2: I told, I told her I was on heroin and now I'm withdrawing. Two days after that, oh my gosh, I went to a, an MD, medical doc, medical practitioner. I'm like, listen, I need something. I'm on heroin. He gave me methadone. Methadone was not working for me. So now I just continued um, smoking heroin, you know? So that, that was my cycle of realizing, oh my gosh, now I'm physically addicted to it. And then because I was working in the time, I just continued using heroin, and I was like, what am I gonna do, you know? Um, so I basically what were you doing? work were you doing? I was doing makeup for television. So I would go to work, hide my drugs, and then every four hours, go and smoke. If I had an incident where my, my drugs was running out, and I was waiting for a payment or something, I'll just quickly tell them, listen, I just have to go to the shop. I run home quickly, call the dealer, meet me right now, or meet me here in the street, pick up my drugs, and then go back to work. I mean, one of the craziest moments, one of the craziest stories I've had is, one day we were literally shooting at a rehab, and I was smoking heroin in the toilet of the rehab where I was shooting. I'll never forget that story. <laughs> so, that was part of the insane things that happen when you're actually on the drugs.
1: I'm,
3: I'm absolutely astounded just in terms of the descriptions and how you've used and told us about how this drug really hooks you in and it hooks you in and it doesn't let go. But no. before really talking about how you overcame that and your journey through rehab, I I, I just wanna backtrack in the conversation a bit and I wanna go back right to something that you said at the start and how you use how you termed and how you said you use drugs to escape your realities because you were you, you referred to it as you were broken emotionally. And how do you think in society drugs allows people to escape their realities whether they're dealing with emotion whether they're dealing with physical surroundings that they don't like Um, and especially now during this current circumstance and global pandemic that we're dealing with how do you think and what advice would you have for people who are struggling with their their immediate surrounds and may have turned to drugs um to help them escape that
2: um you know people are always like what did what what people always ask that question, and I can tell a drug addict is the only re, the only way to fix your life is to not pick up that drug and continue with it, right? So they say, stay away from bad places, get your spiritual life in order. Um, but I would definitely tell somebody is to just not 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 pick it up, right? There is nobody who's progressive in using drugs, right? There is so much more than what we're doing physically every day out there. And there's always, there's always help for us, but we cannot think and we cannot attract these things when we are in an altered state of mind, you know? So it has never worked. There's nothing like safe drugging, you know? And I don't think people actually really understand the implication of drug abuse. Mentally and physically, I mean, I'm so lucky to have all my teeth today. I'm so lucky to be in a space where I'm actually, I'm healthy and I haven't lost anything physically. But so many, like people are always like, but I'm scared to clean up. But with drug abuse, you can die. I cannot believe that I went to pick up a substance. I didn't know what was in it every single day and i put it in my body so do you actually think that a dealer is going to care about <laughs> the health of your insides when you take that drug so first of all you can literally die at any hit it can be your first hit it can be you can be you can have used drugs for 15 years you can die first of all and then you can go to jail
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know and people don't often think of that and then you can be you can be getting so sick that you have half a life that you never recover again and constantly be sick so it's just for me it's like don't choose to use drugs you know and when you have that little 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 bit of hope really honestly take it you know because nobody can move forward with even partying drugs because You take the drug now, but you know, you take so long for the drug to get out of your system. You know, so you waste so much time. You waste so much. I mean, we need to be connected to ourselves. We need to be connected to our community. We need to be progressive in life. We need to be connected to our family. None of that you can do, even if you think you're coping. Coping is not living. Coping is not being alive, you know? so. You need to be alive to actually have a fruitful life.
0: A hundred percent. And I mean, Merlene, sorry, I lost a bit of signal earlier. So if you've answered the question, apologies, but I mean, you were taking heroin for five years and, and taking it every day. I mean, financially, what does kind of a hit cost? Um, you know, what did it cost back then rather? And, and how how did you fund it? And and did you keep a job? Uh, I mean surely, you know, you were starting to, as you said, starting to change mentally, physically. How did how did that all play out during that time?
2: I was I was just, you know, it is, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so let me tell you something about the cost of a drug. Drugs cost you everything.
0: Yeah. Good answer.
2: <laughs> it, it cost you everything. So there's no amount of, you know what I mean? You, it's always, it always cost you everything, right? So I was just so lucky to, I had a job in makeup that was, but that's, that's all I did, worked for. You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't do anything exceptional with my money. So basically it was drugs and what I had. Mm-hmm. And obviously you never eat. so you never eat you never buy clothes because at that point in mind in your brain you don't need all those extra things so basically drugs cost me everything so you it's everything and then minus you know because you start not paying your phone you start not needing new hair because you know you start not needing things you you're not progressive in in life
0: and so, so you know, on a positive note, when, when was the turnaround? I
2: mean, the, the turnaround, you know, the what? Turnaround. the turnaround was so beautiful. Since the first moment that I, that I saw, you know, the moment when I said, I'm a junkie, I said it to myself, I was like, okay, so this means I'm going to have rehabilitation on my life path. It's either I'm going to have rehabilitation or I'm going to knock, get knocked over by a car and then I go into hospital and then they're like, oh, you're on drugs, so let's detox you. I always, yes, I always fantasize about that. I'm like, a car must knock me, something must ha- happen, but something must happen for me. So basically what happened is I knew rehab was going to be on my list. So one day something crazy happened, right? I called the dealer and I was in full withdrawal. And so I was waiting for a payment to come. So normally you go to the ATM, you're like waiting for midnight or something like that. But I was waiting to get money and I was in full withdrawal. The dealer was coming. I could see him through the road, through, uh, through my door. I had a bucket and I was puking in the bucket and I was so desperate for the drugs. The dealer got to my door and he told me, damn, I was getting out of the taxi on the corner of Luis Bota Avenue and your drugs just dropped. So I'm going to go back and I'm going to fit you a new batch of drugs. And I was like, sure. When I saw that guy, the dealer getting into the taxi, I quickly put on my fur coat. So I was in my pajamas. I put my fur coat over. It's like a movie. And I went to the corner where I thought the taxi had stopped. I took a small broom, you know, a broom and a scoppy, a scoop. Yeah. I had it with me and I was on the corner of Luis Boca Avenue and I was sweeping for the drugs. I was looking for it and I was puking to the one side because I was in full withdrawal, sweeping for the drugs, puking on the other side. People came past me, they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I lost my gold chain with a cross on it, so I'm looking for it. People even started looking with me for this uh-huh. cross. And I was sweeping, sweeping, sweeping. Finally, I found the drugs. I ran back home and I and I smoked. My withdrawal was over. The dealer came, and then I was pretending to be in sixth so, you know, and then I took that batch of drugs also. And then after that happened, I was like, "Damn, damn, that was crazy." You know what I mean? So, yeah. so many of those rock bottom stories, and I was like, "I'm gonna die." But I knew, you know, I had that little grain of hope. So even while I was in the worst case of my addiction, I knew I was gonna make it to rehab. So then one year in, I was just conscious.
0: like, I mean, you're not, you're not in denial, saying no, 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 I'm not a dealer. I mean, I mean, I'm not an addict, um, and and it's gonna pass. I can stop whenever I want. You were kind of, I think, you know, you you had accepted. I think, you know, accepted that you were now. Right at yes. Rock, 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 Rock. Yes. and Yes, I the side of the road.
2: I but. always say, that I had a bit of, I had a lot of mercy because often most people cannot get to that point. You know what I mean? And I always say to people that are addicts, I say, please have one percent of hope because that one percent of hope can just take you out of. You know what I mean? It yeah. can. Take you to a better place where you just like I'm gonna say yes to rehab, or I'm not gonna use anymore, or I'm gonna try and find some help. That one percent is what you need.
3: So. So what? 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 Just going back to the one percent and the grain of hope that you also mentioned earlier. What were some of the other contextual factors that allowed you to grab that that one grain, that one percent, and push the other ninety nine percent down?
2: I. You know, I had hopes and I had dreams and I believed in them, you know, and I always felt like, I felt like a star in the movie. (laughs) So I took myself out and I was like, this is a small part of my life. This is a small part of my life. It was that, you know, God, God makes us individual, you know, and I always believed my story wasn't somebody else's story. And I had energy, man. I had energy when I had so much hope and so much faith. My faith, I promise you, my faith carried me through like I was like no 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 i'm gonna I'm gonna be a fantastic makeup artist I'm gonna change the game I'm gonna hold on to my dreams and I can fight this. you know the only thing I knew I needed was I needed like a fence because <laughs> I always told myself I needed to be locked up, I needed to be through my first day of withdrawal ah. And then I'm going to do it if I can just get that. And you see the other thing for me, I drugged the load. So there was no family around me. There was no support system, but I'm taking the responsibility for that because I never, I was so sleek. Nobody actually knew what was going on with me. And then I started telling my friends, listen, I'm on drugs. I'm an addict, you know? But it was almost like all of us was in that path where we were doing things on our own, you know? We were Mm. too immature to start a community and to grab me, you know? And also with my parents, how my parents found out was like, I called them, I was like, listen, I'm coming to a rehab in Booster, but, no, I'm coming home for three months, but I'm going to rehab, you know? And my mom is like, man! I knew something was up, but I didn't know what it was, you know, because I was hiding it from them. So then what happened was I was, I booked myself into a rehab that was in Worcester and it was government subsidized. So they didn't really want a lot of money, you know? So uh, we made the arrangements for the rehab and then What had happened was I went home. This is a fantastic story. I went home to go for rehabilitation. But when I got there, they were like, no, can we delay you for one week? Because we don't have space yet. Then my drugs finished.
1: I'm
2: in the middle of Oatswere now. Now I need to be like in survival mode. I phoned a friend of mine that I used to... Yeah, that I knew from from Joburg, and I told her, listen, can you send my makeup portfolio? Go buy me drugs like for a week. Send <laughs> my makeup, send my makeup portfolio. There's a picture in it where I'm on that in my portfolio. You put the drugs under that picture, and then you go to the bus stop, get onto the bus, and give that to the drivers and just give them money, say this portfolio needs to go down to Otsuran. <laughs> so that morning I was in full withdrawal. I'm at my grandmother's house with my mom because now we're waiting to go to the, you know. yeah. I'm sick and I'm explaining to my mom, mama, this is now withdrawal. I'm in withdrawal. But I tell my, my dad, listen, let's go to fetch my, I need my portfolio with me. I don't want anything to happen to it. So I have the bucket to puke in because you must be you must have a bucket. It's standard to puke in. Bucket
0: was your best friend during the time. Yeah,
2: you, your best friend, your plus one. I had my bucket puking to the bus stop. You, they gave me that thing. It was, it was like whoa. As they they gave it to me, I went to my two grandmothers live across the road from each other, and. I went to the one with the quietest house where where there wasn't a lot of people. I went into the toilet. I smoked. When I'm walking out of the toilet, I tell my mom, Mama, let's go to town. (laughs) My mom said, What? what?" I said, Ma, I just took a hit now. Drugs. This is my drugs. I need for you to understand that what happened to me yesterday was because of withdrawal. Because I didn't get the drugs. I want you to understand that that's what's going to happen to me for the rest of the time until I go into rehab. Right. Mm. So I need you to to keep my drugs. I will only use it every four hours. I beg for you to keep it for me. And then you'll see, I'll be normal now, you know? Yeah. So my mom kept my drugs. And then for the rest of the week, I was like using and
0: Probably
2: one of so the I hardest things for a parent to actually do. For you a know, parent know to know do. how much you need it, yeah. but also
1: know I how much. Yeah, I'm still, I'm still
2: paying a back call now. Buying <laughs> a, everything
3: I can. <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> you can know, imagine? I yeah. So. so um, yeah, Merlin, you 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 are someone that sounds like you. You have a phenomenally strong personality deep, deep down, and some core belief, and you referred to it as your calling when you started the core. But, you know, you've spoken about your, your transition now between going back to O'Toole and having to pass the time before you go into rehab and, and go on to that three-month journey. What, what happened after those three months? How did you, did you integrate back into the makeup artist world and back to Joburg? Um, if you can share some, some of the story behind that as well.
1: So
2: what I want to do is I want to do a small share of when I arrived at rehab, right? because it was also a shock and then i'll tell you like what happened after that so i smoked my last hit at the garage just before i go into rehab right so i go to rehab i'm i'm very high and then as i'm going in so as i'm going in the 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 the, the other um patients at the rehab they like she's they show like like I've like I've spiked myself like I've injected they like this girl is high and they looked surprised you know and then my parents leave me there and they they no before my parents leave me they ask me so how long were you in hospital for and I said hospital for what they said to detox I said no I never detoxed I just smoked now they're like listen we can't let you in because this is a not a medical facility, this is a treatment center, so when you come in here you need to be, you see these people here, there were still people who was in week two, who were still screaming that their kidneys are paining, my legs, my legs I remember when I walked in there, I saw people that were like, sister, sister, you know and they said, you see this guy here, he's already been here a week and he's detoxed for 10 days, and he still has this pain we can't take care of you here, if you have, if you I said, guys let me be the first. I'm coming in here. I'm going in here because I just need to be behind. I will, they said, you're going to run away. You know, they're like, We if anything happens to you, we, we don't give medita- medication here. We don't have anything here. So I said, no, I will behave and I will be in here. And they're like, we don't treat with people who's in physical withdrawal. And I said, no, I will, I will be here. I promise you. I went in the night my withdrawal started. Oh, my goodness. It was like I was a spectacle. eh? Everybody was just watching me throw up and I was just sitting there. And then the next day, I couldn't even go to class. But the the third day, I was in the class with my bucket, standing in the sun, shaking with physical withdrawal, having withdrawal in the classes. And everybody is like on their way out of, you know, out of it. So that that was like my, so I basically never slept a day in the rehab. My eyes would just open at night, you know, and then I was withdrawing the whole 24 hours of every single day, maybe for the first two weeks, the puking and everything. And then I just never slept. And then that's how I went through my rehab. And it was very, and I loved rehab. eh? We went to church, we did basic things, nothing hectic. Mm. We went to church in the morning. We did an art class. They spoke to us about drugs and alcohol. They told us how to integrate back in life. They told us how to do a CV. They explained to us the effects of drugs. That's all they gave us. But I was just very present in my recovery. Hmm. So now I'm coming out of rehab. And then I'm at home. My grandfather died, so I could go to the funeral. And then I'm like, no, man, I need to go back to Jobo. And I was driving the small car. And I told my mom, Mama, Next week, I'm going back to jailbook and my mom is like, I'm scared. I'm like, no, I'm a grown-up. I need to go and take my life back. And then I went to stay in the same house with a girl that I was using with, with her and her boyfriend. And I was still taking drugs, picking up drugs for her. But I was like, no, 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 over here, I'm going to be, I'm out of this thing. I don't have withdrawal anymore. So that's what I wanted. Then I just started my life. I started working for free, I started working for cheaper. I started, I went to find out how much my debts were because I was like, I had the bad credit, I was blacklisted. Then I said, no, I'm working to pay off my blacklist money. From there, I just did everything by the book. When the sun goes down, I make sure I'm in my house. Then eventually moved from, uh, maybe a month later. So everything just changed fast because I was just on the track. And then I started working before I knew it. I got myself a trainer. I got went into fitness. And then, yeah.
0: And was this, I mean, you are a remarkable human being, Merlina. I mean, was this all alone? <laughs> were you, you know, did you have supports of friends and family at this stage now that we're, um, no. you know, nothing? This was just all you alone?
2: <laughs> it wasn't. And it wasn't that they didn't support me, right? it was the fact that you know when you have to ask somebody please give me money for petrol you feel that guilt because they know yeah. you were addict do you know what I mean addict and also you you don't know what to tell them because it did it wasn't quick that turnover I had to have a lot of patience and a lot of hard work to get back into work no in terms of getting money back having to be independent do you know what I mean car mm-hmm. breaking down all the time so you had to be like You had to be disciplined for long, disciplined and obedient. So I was also embarrassed to ask people. People also didn't know. We didn't know. I didn't know what I needed in terms of support and people didn't. Do you know what I mean? So Mm. it was very much, I was also hiding from people now, not asking them for everything, but like all on my own decided that this is how I'm going to do it.
3: So, so maybe maybe, maybe on that, you know, and, and to echo Kurt's, Kurt's sentiment about you being a phenomenal human being, what, what advice do you have for, for society? As, as How can society help addicts uh, return to normality, if that, if that is, makes sense? Or how can society help addicts return to, to their lives um, after they come out of rehab? What tips and uh, suggestions do you have for people who might be dealing with addicts in their lives at the moment
1: so
2: i think we don't have a lot of education on we don't educate ourselves enough on the effects on the body effects on the brain this is a person but he's got a disease now and then how it works so we still have a lot of shaming around addiction so if we can have like if we can educate ourselves on really what is happening to the person what is happening to the body what's happening to the thoughts right that will be step one and then also like i always tell people like if you suspect your 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 child or family member is using drugs instead of because it's a long back and forth we wait we waste so much time with suspecting then we blaming then we shaming then we pushing away Quickly, you know what I mean? Get on top of it quickly. If you see the first moment you see somebody is acting out of order, out of order normally means it's not sleeping the same, not eating the same, looking different, losing a lot of weight. Being out of the house is a big thing because a lot of addicts, that's where you start. You don't come home because you don't want to be seen, you know, physically changing, mentally changing. You know, just the way they used to do things, they're not doing it the same way anymore. If you start, so act quickly, right? And then be supportive. Then what I normally say is, instead of speaking back and forth, ask the person to do a drug test. Do you know what I mean? Don't go into that because we kill each other with a fighting over drugs. Are you using, are you not using? But you guys are blaming me. It's almost like giving that person a more of a reason. Do you know what I mean? So handle it with love, handle it quickly. Say, can you, we quickly do a drug test because we want to assist you. And then if you do it in the earlier day, the person is not all the way. Do you know what I mean? Now I'm going to run away. There might still be that chance that the person still have a lot of their brain cells left and can think. And if you're doing things with love, like say, let's do a drug test so that we can help you it might spark them and a drug test no fighting back and forth the drug test will tell you the person is positive or the person is not positive you know but the quicker you get it the more the easier it is to handle it so education and then handle it you know
0: yeah, i think you got it every- with with the education part you know i think mm-hmm. for people that don't you know that that don't have the addiction it's very easy for us to say Oh, but why don't you just stop, man? You can see what it's doing to your life, and you can see what you. I mean, why don't you just stop? I think it's so important to understand that it is a disease. It is a a chemical imbalance, and that, no. and that need for that extra hit because you feel so terrible, and mm. that numbingness and that good feeling that you know that was numbing um, the pain in your life and and the suffering in your life. And I think, as you say, I mean, it's it's it, it's it's just the education on walking the journey and the path with the person. I mean what would you give a an addict? Um what advice would you give an addict then? I mean we've got kind of those that would want to support addicts in, in their life or that they know but what advice would you give an addict?
2: So for an addict is stop as soon as you can. That is um so stop as soon as you can and then speak
0: just bend to through the your- withdrawal sorry? Just get through that withdrawal phase I suppose because that as you say was the hardest part
2: yes the withdrawal phase and then also like what I can say to an addict is like you know when you're in that withdrawal phase and when you are chemically imbalanced you almost think that it's not impossible to get saved Mm. to get out of it and then what I can tell addicts is you know when you overcome a drug addiction you are a superhuman Everybody who's, who's overcome a drug addiction, you're just a superhuman because you're cleaning up so many other things. Do you know what I mean? Because there's also things maybe that might have triggered the drug abuse. So when you're coming out of drug abuse and you're actually getting therapy and help for it, and you're actually um, working on your strength to not use drugs again, you're building up strength for every other thing in your life. You know, so deal with it quickly. Don't go into it too deep. If you are into deep, really seek help. Communicate, tell your family members, you know. Now also with the internet, I mean, even if your community is, or your family members don't have a lot of knowledge, like your phones, the internet, there's so many support groups, you know. There's so many, there's so many things that you can find online, assistance that you can have online. So, if a person cannot help you, go and look on the internet, you know, and get some advice and information.
0: And it's in your hands, as you are a clear example. You know, I think the biggest thing for you was that you, you accepted you needed this change. And you yeah. went out and did it. And you were the one that, that put in the time and effort and decided then and there that I'm just, th- this is it. I'm going to get through this withdrawal phase. And after the three months, you decided to change your life. You decided to go get a personal trainer and to pay off your debts and to work harder. Um and you know, I mean you you you've climbed Bloody Klim and You you're now heading up a massive <laughs> department in um, you know, in makeup in the in the uh, film and, and movie industry. And you know, I, I actually Googled um uh there's a heroin that you took and, and a heroine is a is a woman admired for her courage, outstanding achievements and noble qualities. And uh, Merlene, I think you are exactly that. You are a heroine. Um, Thank and I so admire much. you for your courage. I, I, your story is, I mean, I was literally, my jaw was dropped on my, on my laptop, yeah, the whole time. Um, <laughs> and I think it's these sort of stories that we need to share and and, and tell and, and help each other that are going through this, you know, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's any sort of an addiction, um, you know, I think the power Easier said than done, but the power is in your hands and you need to just go on and get it.
2: Yeah. And I also think like people need to see recovering people. Do you know what I mean? There's so many recovering people. You recover. One day you just um, rock bottom, but you recover because we also have, you know, we have a lot of strength. We've got a lot of perseverance, you know, and we can fix, it's fixable.
0: 100%. It, it definitely is fixable,
3: Merlin, and, and you are a stellar example of that, and I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for being so Thank you. open, honest, um, and emotive in the language that you've chosen to tell your story. So I'm going to ask that I'm going to give you the floor, um, or not the floor, rather the the podcast line, in closing, okay. and ask you to to leave us with anything that, that you feel uh has helped you on your journey and a message that you would like to to part with um, and encourage others on their journey?
2: You know, one day I woke up and I was like, oh, my dreams are starting to come true. I've dreamt of this, I've visualized this. So, and I was like, wow, it's like I am in my own movie. And then so is life. And then when I realized that I was the co-creator of my life, which all of us are the co-creators of our lives. Anything that you want is here for you. The universe is generous. It wants you to be on top of your game. It wants you to be the best, you know? If you can just come to, when I came to the realization of that, then all, and it's, it's only be present where you are You don't have to finish the whole movie. You don't have to have the whole, you know, the whole plan. Wherever you are at, be in your full state of consciousness. Enjoy what you're doing. Enjoy life. Stay positive. Be proactive. Look where your purpose is. Everything else will just unfold for you. It just unfolds for you. So you start small. You do the right thing. Everything else will just unfold for you. And I'm telling you now, I'm a witness to that.
0: And it's never too late, I think,
2: Yeah, It's never, ever, 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 never too late. Because when I stopped using, I was like 28 years old. And I literally started from scratch. From the money, to the fitness, to the health, from scratch. And even now, I'm 42 years old. I'm starting another business and it's going to be big. Do you know what I mean? It's going to be fruitful. It's going to be successful. So it's never, ever, ever too late.
3: Meline, thank you so much again. And we, both Kurt and I, look forward to meeting up in real life um, when yes. we can and once uh, normal operations resume and uh, we learn to live with COVID. So thank you.
2: Yes, and I'm busy writing that book for you. <laughs>
0: I love it. Merlin Williams, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, unbelievable story. And, and I hope that we can we can touch um, a few lives with a story and just show hope and show that, that it's not too late. And, um, and if you've still got your dreams and aspirations and you're not there where you're wanting to be, now's the time to just do it.
2: Yeah, thank you so thank much, Kurt. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. Cheers, Merlene. Have a good one.